Hey, buddy, let's make this a sick podcast. Let's do it. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> I man. Had the, I had this, I had this kid in the, cause, cause you know I, I teach, right? And, and yeah. this kid, this kid, uh, I was helping him with this math equation yesterday, and it was two days ago, and he literally coughed right in my face, and I was like. <laughs> And I just knew, I knew something was going to come, and, and it was it. just literally the next day, man. Game over. You just <laughs> tapped out. Oh, my God. Yeah, man, that was it. <laughs> forget forget coronavirus, man. Oh, buddy. That, it's like school. Terrifying. Schools are hey, the way you go. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, like, it's just, it, with all these things spreading and all that, like, I, I'm, I'm so, like, I'm one of those people that does too much research, you know what I mean? <laughs> Like I've I've gone online and I've watched too many videos of, you know, people passing out at bus stops and stuff like that. So now I'm just like terrified of everything, you know. Do you do you go online and you've got an itch somewhere or something's happened and you're online researching like nuts? Yeah, man. Well, that's what it was. Like it was uh, uh what was it? A few weeks ago, I had a I was doing a weekend of shows with a couple of friends of mine in Montreal, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and it was around the time that, yeah, you know, Corona was really like, like peaking and, you know, everybody was talking about it. And I guess now it's kind of back, but um, it was that first wave. And these guys kept messing with me like, oh, look at this guy. He's scared of Corona. And I was like, yo, man, it's not a joke. And then <laughs> <laughs> they're laughing at it because, you know, obviously they, you know, they, I don't know, man, these guys, I guess they think they're invincible or something. And I'm like, whatever. But then we came back to Toronto and one of the guys that you know we were sharing the airbnb with was like yo man i think i'm sick and i was like what and he goes yeah man we uh he's like i I'm, he's like i'm at the hospital right now they got me in quarantine what and yeah and i was like you're kidding and this is and this guy this i had to because there was four of us in that airbnb so i had to share i was sharing a bed with this guy so i was like oh man like I definitely got it now. And I had this bad cough when I got back. So I was like, oh, no. So I ended up just like, I, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was happening. And and uh, this guy's sending me pictures of him at the hospital with like, you know, the mask and, and doctors behind him and all that shit. And I was like, oh, no. So then, um, so then you know, long story short is I tell my family, my family's paranoid. They're like, man, we got to go to the hospital because, you know, if that's the case, then we gotta yeah. we gotta try to nip it in the bud before it gets out of hand, right? So, um, so we're getting ready. You know, I'm I'm putting on my shoes. My brother's getting ready. He's like, yeah, we're gonna go to the hospital. And then my boy Norm, who's you know the one telling me that he's sick, he calls me and he's like, hey man, I was just kidding with you. This was just a prank. And I was like, <laughs> oh my god, bro. And he, I was like, how do you, I was like, where did you get the, the, the hospital? He's like, man, I just had to take my nephew for some blood work at the hospital. And I saw a box of masks. So he put on a mask and started taking all these pictures so that he could use it as ammo for this prank. And I was like, man, I got to get some new friends, dude. <laughs> that is, that is, that is classic. Yeah, it was oh, brutal, man. Oh my God, that, that is classic. <laughs> I remember so, yeah. when, I don't, were you, so you're, what, you came from Egypt how long ago? Uh, I was about seven or eight years old when okay, we came so, here. So you remember, I don't know if you do or not. I can't, I don't know how old you are. Do you remember SARS? I do. Oh yeah. That was huge, man. That was a big outbreak. That was huge. And so my mom was like a, a nurse at a doctor's clinic. Oh and, damn. And so she had to quarantine herself, which was, no. it was, it was a weird quarantine because mm. she wasn't allowed, 
Um, like so, the quarantine was you stay at home, right? But but by all means, have visitors. Like if okay. people want to, if people want to come and see you, that's okay. But don't go out and see other people. What which, kind of quarantine is that? Which was weird. I don't. I have. I I did not understand it at all. I remember calling into CFRB during one of their talk shows <laughs> and complaining that this is ridiculous. Oh you know? no. But that, and, they that said, was, and that was allowed. It was yeah. It was weird. I don't know if if like I have I don't know I don't know if if, if the 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 head of health in the city was was new. Maybe he just became a doctor and figured this is how you deal with it, or yeah. that you know SARS, you know it was such a smart virus that it knew that we're only going to activate if this person leaves their house. I have no clue. How That's this, wild, man. I don't how even know this, how. That's wild. Yeah, it was it was really really strange, and and then you never know how how hard it is. But then they had that concert, Sarstock, um, yeah, and then they started like Winterlicious and Summerlicious to get people going back to restaurants. That's terrible, dude. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really strange, and then like so, like how you're a, you're a a teacher sort of during the day. During the day, I'm in advertising. Oh, and, nice. Yeah, so I just got off the phone not too long ago with with a vendor who's in esports, and oh. and he's he he's saying that that whole industry has been affected because there's tons of developers and players and executives out of Asia. Oh, uh, that's true. That's 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 those guys that are like gamers and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Man, that stuff is huge in Asia. It is. It is big. It's like big, I was watching, every, uh, I saw it on like, uh, I think, I don't know if it was like ESPN or something like that, but they were showing clips of these guys and it's like, they're performing or uh, not performing, but playing games yeah. like on a computer, but in a place that's like an arena. Like it's a massive, oh yeah, sold out, like fans, they got signs. <laughs> it's wild, man. It is nuts. The, I, so Air, the old, I guess, Scotiabank Arena, but before when it was Air Canada Center a few years ago, yeah. they, they sold out a weekend there. For oh a tournament, God. they've sold out um, that uh, that arena out in Brooklyn. Can't remember the name of it. Oh, um, Bar- Bar- Barclays. The Barclays Center. Yes. Oh they've, my God. They've sold that out, um, and and now they're doing like these leagues. So I was in New York City. I don't know two weekends ago. Nice. Uh, with. Um, with this Toronto team, Toronto esports team, and mm. uh, I don't know if you're a wrestling fan from back in the day, but a little bit, yeah, from back in the day. Yeah, you you remember ECW, the original ECW? Oh, they, of course. When they were in New York, they used to wrestle. I think out of this place called the Hammerstein Ballroom. Okay. And and so that's where this tournament was. It, not a huge place, maybe three thousand mm. people, but it was louder than a Raptors game. Oh my god! And this is all esports. And this, yeah, this is like a you know two teams sitting down, like four player, four or five players a team. There was one team from, uh, so there was a Toronto team, there was a London England team, there was a New York team, there was a Paris team. Wow. Um, yeah, they're they're sitting down, and you are watching the big screen. Uh, yeah. These kids play this game. I have no clue what they're playing or what it means, but. <laughs> I, my mouth was was wide open, saying these guys are really excited. Yeah, well, it goes to show also that, like you know, when when we were kids and we would play, you know, I don't know, Sega Genesis or Atari or whatever, and you're 
your parents would get mad at you for playing and they'd say, oh, you're, you know, you're not going to end up anywhere if you keep playing these games. And these guys took something like that and turned it into a full-fledged career. Like, these guys are making millions and sponsorships and it's just, it's next level, you know? Yeah, it, it is nuts. It's so wild, Mo, man. Tell me, how, how, does, how does a kid that immigrates from, uh, from Egypt – who is a teacher during the day? Like, how does how does he become a comedian? Oh man! Uh, well, it started about. I mean, this March is going to be ten years for me. It was about ten years ago. Jeez. Um, I was working. Uh, I was working at a bank. It was. It was like a. It was like a call center because you know people would call about their credit cards and yeah, I would yeah. be the one to pick up the call and give them their balance and interest rates and all that stuff. And um, I had a uh, one of my buddies. Uh, his name is Jerome. Jerome sat next to me in the next cubicle, and we would. Jerome and I were good friends, and we'd always crack jokes, and, you know, in between phone calls and stuff. And uh, he was like, "Man, you should, uh, you know, you should really think about doing stand up." And and I've heard that before, because you know, growing up, I, you know, I always really liked making people laugh, and yeah, and, you know, it was always just it, it. It was always something that brought me this joy, and I never really understood it. But you know, anytime I think everybody's in the same boat where you crack a joke and you make a whole room full of people laugh and you're like you feel good you know so yeah yeah um so jerome would tell me this and i was like i don't know man i'm not like i kind of took it as uh, in a weird way i was like i'm not really a clown you know i'm not gonna stand in front of people and try to make them laugh and he's like nah man it's not like that just you know go and tell tell some jokes man it's it's or tell your stories and so i was like you know what let me go let me go watch some stand-up comedy shows and at that point i I had been exposed to, you know, a little bit of it. Like I've watched Eddie Murphy's Delirious. And <laughs> oh, yeah. Keeping up with Dane Cook when he was kind of just starting to pop off with, you know, his first couple of specials. And, um, but I wasn't really, you know, heavily into that scene. So, so you didn't have um, like a favorite uh, a favorite uh, comic? Well, I mean, I think at that point it probably would have been Eddie Murphy because it was just because I was, I was definitely underage when I saw that special. And, and yeah. Time, it, was, it was like... I was like, this is groundbreaking. I've never seen a guy just own a crowd so well, and all his stories were so hilarious. And what was first? Know? Was it raw or delirious? What was the first one? I think I think delirious was first. Delirious was that was I the one where he talks about ice cream. Ice cream, exactly. That exactly. was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So I I did. So I, I was like, you know what? Let me go down to Yuck Yucks, with, you know, the comedy club in Toronto, and I was I'm gonna yeah. go check, watch some amateur nights or something, and. I went and I checked out a few shows and you know before you knew it there's always you know that moment that every person has when they start doing comedy where they see somebody bomb and they go you know yeah like I think I could do better than this guy right so I just uh I was like all right well let me give this a shot so the the way they had it was that you'd call and leave your name and number on a on a voicemail and you'd call back at four o'clock to see if you made the list yeah so um, eventually, you know, after like weeks of calling, they got me on and, and I, you know, I told everybody and all my friends, I was like, yo, man, I'm going to be on a comedy show. Come check me out. I was doing like five minutes. So everybody came out and luckily I didn't bomb, but also, I mean, in, in hindsight, maybe I did, but it was just all my <laughs> friends. So, you know, um, but yeah, it was, it was just really from there. I, I started meeting people. I, um. I don't know if you know, there's another Toronto comic, Chris Robinson. He's a really, really funny guy. And he, he was one of the first people I saw at Yuck Yuck. Yeah. And like a week later, I, I saw him um, 
I saw him working at a blockbuster. He was like casing DVDs. And is he, like, he's not oh. related to Kenny Robinson, is he? No, no, he's not. He's not. No, I just okay. same last name. But okay. Um, but I was like, I was like, man, I saw you do stand up. You're so funny. And he's like, yeah, man. He's like, here's my number, you know, for my Facebook. He's like, hit me up. I'll give you a list of all the rooms in Toronto that you can hit up for spots. Oh, that's so, nice. Yeah, man. He was. He's until today. He, Chris is my brother, man. He's one of my best friends in the whole world, and and he's one of the funniest guys I know. So, um, so let's let's talk yeah. about that first show. Yeah, you, you go up, you do five minutes, like because I've always. I, I love comedy. I love going to shows. Uh, I should do more in Toronto. Every time I go to New York, I'm at the uh, Comedy Cellar. Oh, nice. But And I've always... I don't consider myself very, very funny. I, I think I'm fine, but I would <laughs> love to... You know, sort of like... For me, it's like a bucket list. I'm no comedian, but you know, if I could do a five-minute, I cross it off my bucket list. You know, it's like skydiving. I'll cross it off my bucket list. Yeah. Um, when you went up there, like, do you have do you have notes on you? Do you have everything memorized? Are you looking at people? Like, yeah, like how, I mean, how was that feeling for you? I mean, I didn't have notes, uh, but I did have, you know, I knew I had five minutes, so I had, you know, practiced in front of a mirror, and I was like, all right, this is what I'm going to talk about, and, um, you know, when you're just starting out, there is, I think the most important thing is just getting out in front of that room and just doing your thing. It's not, it's not really. I mean, I hate to say that it's not about the material, but it's not, you know, because when you're first getting up there, it's just putting yourself in front of a room full of people, which is a, which is a big enough barrier as it is. So I think just getting up is your primary focus. So when you're in front of those people, then you kind of start talking about your story. And, uh, but for me, it's like, I, I just had, it was, it was stupid. Like my material, now that I look back at that, set, I was like, it was dumb. There was no, there was no, what was, it was one of your first jokes. Oh God, it was like, uh, it was this guy, it, I was talking about this, it was just toilet humor, man. I had, <laughs> I, was, I was talking about this guy who I worked with and, you know, it was how he doesn't stand close enough to the urinal when he goes to the bathroom and, you know, he gets the floor all wet and I'm like, ah, oh, man, you know, you're not that big or, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's so, now that I think back about it, I cringe because I'm like, I can't believe I thought that stuff was funny, you know, but <laughs> Uh, but again, I think you, you kind of just, you do it and, and it's, it's a weird, it's a weird addiction that you kind of get into because then, you know, you do that show. Like I did that show and I did well and people were laughing and they loved it. And in my head, I was like, man, I'm, I'm the next Eddie Murphy, man. I'm the next, I'm a prodigy. Like this is, I'm a young <laughs> dude. I was like 21 at the time. So I was like, I'm going to kill it, you know? And then. And then I do the next show and the next show was at the basement of this bar. Uh, I don't remember. It was, it was at uh, college and, um, and Bathurst. It was, it, it's still Toronto. I don't, I don't remember what it was. Sneaky D's? No, across from Sneaky D's. It's called the green room now, but there was a man. Okay. I can't believe that the name is escaping me, but this basement was so grimy. Like it's, it, it was just, it was dark. It was dim. There was no one at the show. There's maybe two drunk people sitting there. Um, and you know, I think someone was like, yo man, you want to headline this show? And in my head, what? I was like, Oh, they must've seen me like second show in, I'm already headlining. Like, <laughs> yeah, what headline, you know? So I show up to the show and there's literally, I think I want to say 30 comics on the, on the bill. And 
and the host is not even there so it's just shotgun style where you know the comic brings up the next comic and the next comic brings the next comic so so then I'm headlining meaning I'm going last after 30 comics in front of two people and you know I, I get down to this basement and these two drunk people are like half half falling asleep half passing out and you know you go up and it's like a real a real reality check you know you're like oh okay hold on so this is this is the real stand-up like this isn't like I'm not going to be performing in arenas anytime soon like you gotta <laughs> you gotta go you gotta go through the the all the all the hoops and you know work out your chops before you you get to that level so um yeah I, I think I think that was just going back to your question is what was that first experience like it was just trying to get trying not to forget any of my you know my my story or, or whatever it was and making sure I get through it safe and sound you know wow and at what mm-hmm. point um you know you're probably writing a high after your first time oh um, yeah yes. at, at what point did you say to yourself okay this is what I'm going to do I'm going to pursue this one um, day I will uh, one day I will headline a proper show yeah I mean I don't think there was a specific point I think it's more of like a process like uh, yeah because for me, it wasn't, um, I think a lot of comics, it, it's the same thing for them where it's like for the first couple of years, you're kind of just doing one set a week or one set a month or sometimes one set every two months. And, you know, you're not really, you're not investing as much into it. Yeah. Um, but then eventually you start to realize that, oh, wait a sec, like I am actually really improving and I'm really liking this and and this is something that's bringing me some sort of happiness that I've never really had from anything else in my life. You know, I mean, uh, obviously there's, there's happiness that comes from family and, 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 yeah. and other kinds of success, but this was just unlike anything else that I've ever done. So, um, yeah, I think it took a, a couple of years. I think it was maybe two, two or three years into me doing stand up before I was like, all right, I got to start, you know, really sitting myself down to write and, going yeah. to shows every night and, and, and really, really working out my chops. It's kind of like going to the gym, you know, like if you mm. stay away from the gym or you go once every two months, you're not really going to be in shape, but yeah. if you're going every day or every other day, then you really start to notice all the progress and, and, and people around you start to notice too. So, yeah. so I think so that's, uh, that's what it was. Some people might play hockey every Tuesday night. You sort of, you go to the clubs. Exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I hear you. Mm-hmm. Um, you ever? You ever, You came when you were very young from Egypt. Yeah. Uh, you ever go? Do you guys go back often? Or yeah, I was actually just there last summer. Um, the the like I was never. The thing is, my parents are both Egyptian. Okay. But uh, but when uh, when I was born, they had jobs in Saudi Arabia, so they lived in Saudi Arabia. Oh. And okay. and I was I was born there. But, uh, you know, with Saudi rules, they're very strict with, in terms of citizenships and things like that. So, uh, so I'm not Saudi and, and I'm not Saudi by blood or anything. I was just kind of born at that place. Yeah. Uh, and then we kind of, we would go to Egypt every year for summer vacation and things like ah, that. I get it. And then, and then, yeah, even like when I speak Arabic, like my Arabic is more of an Egyptian Arabic, not a Saudi Arabic. You know what I mean? Okay. So, even, so, yeah, there, even we, though most of your time was in Saudi Arabia, I guess. Yeah, like. exactly. Up up until about seven, yeah, and then we came here, and you know that was that was a whole new chapter. 
Ah, okay, okay. So you you miss sort of this whole um, Arab Spring movement and all that sort of stuff. You you weren't there yeah. participating or anything like that. No, in a way, I really wish I was. To be honest, just because it yeah. was such a strong movement and mm-hmm. like it was mixed feelings because uh, you know I obviously I'm thankful that my uh, my mom struggled and brought us here and did her thing. But it, yeah, in another in another way, you know, you see you know, other Egyptians just like myself that are just out on the street in Egypt and they're protesting and these guys are, you know, really, really standing up for something they truly believe in. And, and uh, it was just kind of inspiring, you know, and, and I know that if I was there, I definitely would have been right out there with them. But, um, you know, I guess that's just kind of how life works sometimes, you know, it's kind of like a blessing in disguise that I wasn't there because who knows what could have happened, right? Yeah, you and your comedy mouth could have got you in trouble. <laughs> oh, buddy, for sure, for sure, man, for sure. I was always the talker. My brother was always the fighter, so so I oh, definitely wow. would have gotten I would have gotten my butt kicked if he uh, if he if he wasn't around to to help out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, listen, you you were there recently. How are things uh, back in Egypt? They're great, man. It was honestly, it was great. It was um, it was around May of 2019 that I was there. Um, I've uh. I've always wanted to experience Ramadan over there and experience Eid over there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just because I've always heard so many great stories and how, you know, the, the whole country transforms into this completely different place and everybody just kind of opens their doors. And, and I wanted to really take that in. So uh, this was like a real bucket list for, thing for me to, to accomplish. So it was really nice to, and I hadn't been there in like seven years either. So it, it was, um, it's always so interesting to go back to a place like that, seeing as like, you know, I've been in Canada most of my life and I've been in Toronto most of my life. Yeah. But, uh, so I relate to a lot of people from this city, but then you go back to Egypt and it's so interesting that you start relating to these, to these people in, in you find a certain part of yourself in them. That's not really, that you don't really see every day in Canada. You know what I mean? Like, mm. Like, uh, I'm, I'm not necessarily, I try to stay true to my roots and I try to, I try to stay true to, to, to being an Egyptian Muslim. And, and, you know, I try to rep that, but at the same time, it's, you know, here you're speaking English every day, you're, you're hanging out with your friends from Toronto every day. So I don't really, my Egyptian side is really only coming out when I'm with family or friends that are Egyptian. And that's not, that's not as often as it is with, with my non-Egyptian friends, you know. Interesting. So I've always, so, I've know. always, been, I've always been curious about Ramadan yeah. in 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 a Muslim country. Here's mm-hmm. what I this is one thing that I've heard is that they switch the day around. So instead of working during the day and you're fasting, it's like we're gonna sleep during the day when we're <laughs> yeah. when we're fasting, and then we're gonna work at night and eat regularly. Is is that true or is or what? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Okay, I mean, it is. Okay. <laughs> in, in some ways, I mean, a lot of things will open. Like a lot of businesses will open during the day, but maybe for shorter hours. Uh, um, okay. And uh, I think I think the main thing that I or the main um, I don't know how to say this, but the yeah, the main thing that I took away from this was that the the country really opens up its doors to everybody. You know, like for example, you know it's not just necessarily about, you know, not drinking or eating anything all day, every day for a month. It was more about just, you know, I'm feeling a struggle. You're feeling a struggle. The next guy's feeling a struggle. 
And because we're all kind of in the same struggle together, people tend to be a little more courteous to each other. Uh, and, and, you know, when it's time to break our fast in the evening, when the sun goes down, it's like, you see a lot of people will just come out onto the street and they'll, you know, offer you dates, you know, little dates to break your fast with, or they'll offer you, uh, you know, a sandwich or offer you something just to hold you off until you get home. And some people will just completely shut down their street and everybody that lives on that street will set up a table and bring out dishes. And if you're hungry, you just go and grab a dish. Like, like a block party. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, nobody's asking, no one wants money. They won't accept your money. Like it's just this whole next level of kindness that I've never really experienced before. And, uh, it was really, really cool. It was, it was honestly just very eye opening and, and because what ends up happening is you live in a place like Toronto and it is so diverse, but you don't necessarily experience a, a unified celebration like that because of how diverse it is here. Yeah. And, and you go to a place like Egypt where, you know, it's predominantly Muslims and, and, and Egyptians and, you know, I mean, there's obviously expats and stuff like that, but it's, it's just, it, they, they appreciate diversity over there. And because the majority is Muslim, it's like, they're just, they're all celebrating the same thing, you know? So, so everybody really joins in on that celebration. It's kind of like, kind of like when the Toronto Raptors won the championship, like, yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember how the city kind of unified over this one thing that we all truly loved? You know, it was, it was very much. It was very much that same thing where we all, you you just have this one common denominator between us, and we're all just celebrating, celebrating it together. You know. Yeah. 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 That is awesome, man. You know, as you're speaking and you're telling me this, um, are you, do you watch that show or have you watched that show, Rami? I did. I did. I actually know Rami. He's a, he's a, I met him. I met him when I was out in LA a couple of years ago and he's a really good dude, man. I'm, that show's amazing. It is. It is phenomenal. One of the best. I was so happy when he won a gold, oh, was it a golden man. globe? I yeah. Think? Yeah. Best actor. Yeah. Yeah. The first award of the night as well. Like yeah. the best. The Unbelievable. best. Yeah. That um, it, it's, it's very interesting. Cause you, you know, you're talking about, <clears throat> You know, growing up here and living here, but really yeah. wanting that, you know, I don't know, companionship or fellowship with other Egyptians or Muslims or whatever it may be. Um, exactly. Yeah, that, that show is, is, is fantastic. And um, it, was very, I, it was very real. It was very, it, yeah. it, like it gave, I, was, I found myself really relating to it because I think, you know, it really focused on his struggle of being this hybrid of, you know, very westernized, very westernized guy, but also still very in touch with his roots so sometimes mm -hmm. that could really be conflicting you know especially uh especially in situations that he kind of represents in the show kind of like you know the you know meeting girls or, or trying to find a girl to settle down with or or you know certain certain things like going to a party and everybody's drinking but you're not drinking so then how do you really how do you bridge that gap between between you know myself and 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 the people that are on the other side yeah. You know, so he, he really, he, he, I'm, I'm so happy for him. And, and it was honestly such an incredible show and, and everybody on it is such a star too. Like, you know, Dave Merhaj who was on there. He, he's, he's his friend. I don't remember what his name is. I think it's Ahmed or something. He's the bald yeah. guy with the glasses. He's like a doctor on the show or something. Or a nurse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and Mo Ammer, who's also another amazing comedian, like all those guys were just absolute killers on that show. And, and amazing humans as well. They're they're such phenomenal comedians. It's, 
it's 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 so nice to see, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So listen, when I when I saw you, I saw you at the final We Ain't Terrorist show. So Dave Marhej and uh, Ali Hassan. Oh, that's um, right. <laughs> or we're we're do we're I, I guess it's their show. Yeah. Um, but that was also your not that particular one, but when they first started that, that yeah. was your first out of town show. Is that right? Yeah, it was one of the first ones that because Dave Dave met me uh, at one of those. You know, it's that night that I was telling you about where I went into the grimy basement and there were 30 comics. Dave was yeah. actually there and, and we really hit it off. He goes, hey, you Arab? And I go, yeah, I'm Egyptian. He goes, I'm Lebanese. And we really kind of like hit it off. And uh, I don't know what it was, but he kind of took a liking to me and, and started bringing me up to do gigs and taking me out of town to do these shows. And, uh, you know, now in hindsight, I think about it and I definitely was not ready to be on the road at that point. But... <laughs> Uh, but I was very appreciative that, you know, someone is opening their, 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 uh, you know, kind of opening these opportunities up for me like that. So, um, so yeah, he took me out of town to Windsor to do this We Ain't Terror show and I, and I bombed in front of his whole family and, (laughs) 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 and it was, it was brutal, but you know, it was nice to come back and do it 10 years later and, and, and finally, you know, be like, Hey man. 10 years actually makes a difference in someone's career, you know? Yeah. What? That's a long time. So w- was Dave, was he also just getting things started 10 years ago? No, I mean, I think he's, uh, he started about seven or eight years before I did. Wow. And yeah. And he's, he's amazing, man. Dave is such a funny comic and, and he's hilarious. He, and last year he won a Juno. Yeah. First comedy album. It's just like, he's, he's such a star and he's, I think he's out in New York now and they're working or they just finished doing the second season of Rami. Um, but it's just, yeah, he's, he's just one of those guys that, you know, again, really, really good friend, very humble dude. And I've never seen somebody work harder than him. So it's really nice to, to learn from that and, and to, to see that. And, you know, I think I'm a big believer in, in the fact that you are like what your circle of friends is kind of thing you know where it's like if you, if you associate yourself with you know yeah, people that are not really hustlers or achievers then you're probably not really gonna hustle much yourself but if you have people around you that are always working hard and kind of really trying to improve themselves then you almost feel like there's no other option but to work hard yourself so he he's uh he's one of those guys that i've definitely tried to you know learn many lessons from and 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 you know just try to He's one of those guys that really motivates you to just be a better comic, and that's that's the that's the Dave Merhage effect right there, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so what is it that you know in your eyes mm-hmm. uh, that makes a good comic? Um, that's I mean, there's so many different elements to it. Like you, uh, I think self awareness is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Like if if you're if you're doing well to know that you're doing well, if you're bombing to know that you're bombing yeah. um, to, uh, to be able to go home and, and revisit the stuff that you did that night and see what you could have done differently and how you could improve. Um, because it's not really, you know, you look at some of the greatest athletes of all time and you look at what they've done to get there. It's like, it, it's a process, right? Like someone like LeBron James is, it's constantly like 
he didn't just win one championship and hung up the hat. It's like he's constantly going out there and playing super hard and you know, you know, all these all these great athletes. It's like the consistency is key. And I think to be a great comic, you just constantly have to be working on yourself and constantly uh you know uh fine tuning different bits and revisiting old bits and and mm-hmm. and not being scared to to take a risk you know like if you if you have a joke that you feel like ah i don't know maybe it's like ah just fire it off anyway see what happens and if it goes good it goes great but if it doesn't then no problem you see if you can correct it or if you can just maybe trash it and come up with something new so I think being a good comic just comes down to work ethic and 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 constantly fine tuning your your craft to be better and better and better and and oh never comparing I think that's also a big thing don't compare mm. yourself to anyone else yeah you know, there's always gonna be there's always gonna be a, you know I mean you know we're we grew up in in brown households and ethnic households so <laughs> you know that that comparison is is embedded in us from such a young age where your mom's like, well, you know, so-and-so's son is now a doctor. What are you doing with your life? And you're like, Oh God, <laughs> here we go. Here we go right? again. Yeah. So, so we're born with this like inner voice. That's always like, Oh, what about this person? How are they doing better? Why aren't I doing better? And so I think, I think making sure that you're not comparing yourself and, and trying to be your own personal best. Yeah. Is, 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 is a really important factor in all of this. I, uh, I've interviewed a musician who's also a teacher. Oh, and, and so I asked him, you know, do your, and he's a music teacher, which is, which is awesome. And oh, so I asked great. him, do your, do your kids, do your students know like how good you are and how cool you are and stuff. And, uh, so it's like, do you like with your students, Mo, like, yeah. do they know that you're a funny guy? Like, do they know they, you're a comic they, they know they know I'm a funny guy, but they don't know that I'm a comedian. They have no idea. Yeah, yeah. How I old mean, are these kids that you teach? Well, right now I'm teaching in a grade two, three uh, combined class. Oh my goodness! And uh, they're you know super young, uh, but you know I definitely. Uh, it's funny because you know I talk to people about it. I'm like it's kind of like doing a show, but every single day for you know six or seven hours because you're just you got to make sure that the material that you're presenting to these kids is somewhat appealing in order for them to take interest to it right <laughs> so so, so like got, the other day i was like... the other day i was teaching this i don't remember it was some sort i think we're doing multiplication or something and i was and i was you know i was going over the lesson and we were going over how to multiply and the thought process behind multiplication you know like three times two means three groups of two and things like that and and I, I can't remember what I said, but I said something that was really funny and the whole class laughed. And then this one kid was like, hey, Mr. Ismail, you should be a comedian. <laughs> I, had this, I had this moment like, kid, you have no idea what you're saying right now. <laughs> His parents might see you in the show. <laughs> over exactly. The exactly. So, no, they, I, you know, I keep those two worlds separate. I, uh, and, and one of the main reasons is because I love both careers so much that I don't really that I take them both very seriously. Like I, I, I take my teaching, very, like this is my first actual year of teaching. This is year one for me. I haven't been oh, wow. teaching for that long. And uh, well, I was working in advertising as a commercial editor before. Oh, okay. and, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So, you know, you're obviously very familiar with that world. 
and um, and I jumped ship into teaching after doing that for a couple of years. Um, but yeah, I, I, I take teaching very seriously. I, I love what I do, but I also love comedy as well. Right. So yeah, I, I don't really mix, mix the two worlds that, sure. that I mean, people, people in comedy know that I teach, but people that I teach don't know that I do comedy. So, so no parent has ever come up to you and go, Hey, I was Googling you <laughs> and I saw no. this video. <laughs> I mean, not yet. At least I, I had, uh, the principal, the principal of my school, I, I didn't tell her that I did comedy and, and she, uh, you know, this was a few months ago, she was doing, she had to do some scheduling thing on her computer in her office and I'm standing next to her and while she's typing, she goes, so, you know, something interesting happened and I go, uh-oh, you know, and she goes, well, you know, I, uh, I was driving home from work and th- this radio advertisement came on and it was about the Kenny Robinson's Nubian show. And I happened to be performing on Kenny Robinson's Nubian show that month. And yeah. then the radio ad, you know, said the names of all the comics and it mentioned my name. It's like featuring Mo Ismail. And she heard the name and she goes, you know, I felt like I was like, that sounds very familiar. And she kind of looked at me and I was like, man, I can't really, I can't lie to her. Cause all she could do is just Google Mo Ismail yeah. comedy and she'll find everything, you know? Yeah. So, so I was like, yeah. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, ah, oh, that's great. And I was like, yeah. Cool. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. I hope I don't get fired now, man. <laughs> no. Or they expect so. you to run all of the uh, um, all of the shows at the school. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> all of the I assemblies. Mind, I wouldn't mind doing that at all, man. But I think I think I was just kind of worried that, you know, I'm always kind of worried about that, that I'm going to say some some joke on stage that someone's going to capture on their cell phone and then post. And then next thing you know, I'm getting reprimanded for it. But, you know, luckily I'm, I'm not necessarily like a dirty comic to start with. So it's not, I'm not too worried about that, but there are nights where, you know, you go to an open mic and you're just like, I'm going to fire off some, some dirty bits or dirty jokes. And I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to live my life. I'm going to do my thing, you know? Yeah. Um, And I just, I just kind of have faith in humanity that no one's going to take a joke and, and turn around and be like, you're a terrible teacher because of this joke that you made, you know? So, um, do you think about that at all? Oh, all the time. All the yeah. time. I, yeah. It worries me because I mean, this is, you know, I care about both things so much and I, and I love doing both things so much and they, they give me a, a sense of um, like teaching gives me a certain sense of accomplishment that comedy doesn't and comedy also gives me a certain sense of accomplishment that teaching doesn't so it's just like it's like saying what do you like eating better main course or dessert you're like well i kind of like both to be honest (laughs) you know so i I don't really i can't really choose between the two and 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 i worry i worry sometimes that you know because you know we're living in a day and age where everybody's hypersensitive about things and 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 rightfully so in, in some ways but also in other ways you're like I'm a comedian, man. Like, why, why are we going to take a, a joke? Like, it's a comedy show, stand-up comedy. We tell jokes, and a lot of the things that we say are, in most cases, embellished. Or, you sure. know, we try to say, we, we say these things, we hype them up to sound like, you know, something way bigger, just to get the laugh. Whereas, yeah, yeah. you know, some of it might be truth, but a lot of it can, can be very, very exaggerated. So, I really... Um, yeah, I definitely do stress out about that sometimes. That's for sure. I uh, so while I was researching you, I, I came across 
the Nubian show with Kenny Robinson, and I saw his face, and I go, oh, damn, I've heard this guy before. I've seen this guy before at Yuck Yucks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and so he's – he's so I, I, it was weird because when I saw him, I think he had an off night because he was – he wasn't the fun, he wasn't the funniest guy that night. Let's just let's just say oh, that. Kenny, but, Kenny, Kenny, yeah. Oh, which which, yeah, which, he's, which he's, was, he's the host. He's a legend, man. Kenny's a legendary guy. Yeah. So tell me about him and and tell me about doing that show. What that meant for you? Oh man, that show was probably one of the highlights of comedy for me this far. Wow. Because that this show, what you got to understand about this show is it's one of the oldest, if not the oldest, urban comedy show in the country. Um, it, you know, it started out as an all black show and it's still predominantly an all black show, but it's now taken more of just like a, more of an ethnic and a diverse type show. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, this show has been running for, I think 25 years now or almost 25 years. Wow. Um, you know, Chris Rock has performed on it. Dave Chappelle's performed on it. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Hart's performed on it. Like any, any of these great comedians that you could think of they've most likely performed russell peters like all these guys have been on that show and um it's a tough room it's a it's a room where these people come out and they expect good jokes and if you're coming out and you're you know you got a notepad or you're testing out material or you're not confident in yourself like the audience will sense it quickly and they have no problem booing you right off that stage so it is very much like uh very much like the apollo you know, it's like the Apollo Theater. It's like you either come with fire or they're going to they're gonna eat you alive. And, um, you know, for me to get on that show, it took me a year of just showing up. and Really? And, wow. and get, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's a monthly show. So I remember I, I went and I met him. And then I got a few vouchers from a couple of other comedians that were doing the show. And he was like, yeah, okay, well, we'll see. We'll see what you got. <laughs> and then I would go back the next month and I was like, Hey man, I'm really trying to get on. He's like, yeah, well, it's a long line. So you're going to have to wait. I was like, All right. <laughs> so I would just keep going on, you know, cause comedians can go on standby, right. Where you just show up to the show, even though you're not booked and yeah. you just stay, stand there in case a comedian drops out or something. Yeah. yeah. So, so I was like, you know, really trying to, to get on and, and eventually, you know, I was, I showed up for a year and this guy still wasn't booking me. He keeps telling me, Oh, sorry, kid long lineup and I was like oh my god so you know I think on that 12th or 11th month I, I was leaving I was like all right Kenny well good to see you and I go to shake his hand and he shakes my hand I go please keep me in mind for future shows and as I'm saying this he's already shaking his head like about to tell me that it's a long lineup of people ahead of me so uh he tried to pull his hand out of my hand and I remember I gripped his hand I didn't let his hand go and I was like Kenny I've been showing up for a year I've gotten vouchers from almost every comedian that you've booked. I don't know what else you need. If you could just look around us right now and pick any comedian you want and ask them about me, please go ahead. But like, you got to stop brushing me off like this, man. You know? And he, he was like, yeah, it was, I, was, I didn't, I didn't know if that was a smart idea or not. But I just kind of, I was frustrated, man. I was like, how long do I got to show up before getting a, a seven or eight minute spot on your show? You know? Yeah. So, so he goes, oh, really? And I go, yeah. He's like, all right. And then he looks over my shoulder and there was this other comedian, John Paul, and hilarious comedian. So he looks at him. He goes, hey, JP, come over here. So JP comes over and he goes, he's like, you know this guy? And he goes, yeah, that's Mo. And he goes, well, do you think he'd be a good fit for the show? 
And JP was like, oh, man, he's hilarious. you got to get him. You'd be stupid not to get him on your show, blah, blah, blah. And JP just went off. And I was just like, see? Like, I'm telling you, dude, like, I'm actually pretty funny. Like, give me a chance, <laughs> you know? So then, like, I think it was like two or three months later, he finally got me on. And and it was it was amazing. It was just one of the best experiences. And, and it was it was a real accomplishment to finally do the show. And, you know, just kind of proving to someone that, like, hey, like, I actually can – make a whole room full of people laugh really hard, you know? So just give me the chance and I can do it. Nice. So, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's Kenny. Kenny's great. He's opened up the doors for so many ethnic comedians like myself. And, and, uh, you know, I'm really, really appreciative for, uh, for having someone like that in my corner. What did, uh, what did Kenny say to you after the show? Well, he was he's like, no, nah, not bad kid. Not bad. <laughs> Is that good for him? <laughs> that's, that's, Hey man, if Kenny tells you not bad, that means you, you've done great. <laughs> <laughs> So, so no, he was, uh, it was, it was good. It was, it was really good. He got me on, you know, a couple months later and, and, uh, yeah, it was just, you know, now, now I just do the show quite regularly every couple of months. So. Oh, that's awesome, uh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, you know, it's just, it's just hard work, you know, that's all it is. And it's just trying to be funny and, and, and working, working hard at your craft. So yeah, I'm, I'm really appreciative of it. Nice. So, so how often do you, do you work now? Uh, well, right now, I mean, because I've been down with a flu, I've, <laughs> I haven't really, I think last weekend was the last time I did a show, but usually it's like, you know, every, either every night or every other night, I'm, I'm usually out trying to, to hit up mics and trying to work some new jokes and things like that. So, wow, that is amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is amazing. And the, the balance between that and teaching, you've got that under wrap. Yeah, I mean, it's exhausting, right? Because, you know, Must, sometimes yeah. these, these shows run a little bit late and then you got to be up at six in the morning the next day. And, you know, in between that and planning lessons and and uh, marking and, and, you know, trying to trying to make sure that, you know, comedy is not lacking and teaching is not lacking. It's, it could definitely get really exhausting. But, you know, I think I think just knowing your limits and knowing knowing when you're overworking yourself is a big thing too, right? Because sometimes I'll just say, you know what, instead of going out every night this week, I'm just going to go out maybe three or four times. And, and, and the other nights I'm just going to take it easy and relax and kind of get my body back on track. And, you know, um, it's just getting, getting rest. I think that's one of those <laughs> underrated things. Like people, yeah. people don't really give much credit to rest, but it's like, you really got to get your, you know, seven to eight hours of sleep. You got to make sure you're eating healthy. You got to make sure you're exercising. Like all these things, they all contribute mm -hmm. to, you know, that if I'm not working out and if I'm not, if I'm not, if I'm not eating right, if I'm not in the, in a good mental state, then you could really see it in comedy. And, and if you, if I am, then you could also see it in comedy, right? Like, it's just, it's one of those things that really reflects on you with, regardless of what it is that you do in your career. That's awesome. Mo, I really appreciate the time. Oh, um, my pleasure, man. Thank you. Yeah, listen, bef before I let you go, sure. tell me where, if people wanted to, uh, to, to, uh, to see you at a show or just to follow you, and uh, you know, where, where should they go? Uh, well, I mean, Instagram is usually where I post uh, all, my, all my stuff. I should be getting a website, but I mean, I haven't really done that because, you know. <laughs> Uh, there's no reason. I'm just I'm just being lazy about it. But uh, but yeah, you can just follow me on Instagram. It's Momo Ismail M O E M O E Ismail I S M A I L. It's all one word. Um, uh, I'm also 
uh, you can find me on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash mo comedy, uh, youtube.com slash mo comedy. Uh, I mean, I figure with all these other avenues, I'm like, I don't know why I'm going to get a website when I have like three or four other avenues where you can find me, but. Um, I'll also be in performing on a, on a really good show in Owen Sound coming up on March 4th. Uh, and uh, yeah, just follow me on my page and I'll post all the details up there. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's about it. Mois Mill, thank you so much, man. Oh, my pleasure, brother. Thank you.